Coming up, going to talk to my old friends, Kevin Wilds, Dave Jacoby, about the NBA storylines, whether the Cowboys are the best sports talk fodder we have and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then John Bernthal as well. It's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions. But right now, I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. It was a special episode. We went through all the reader emails, suggestions for new categories for the podcast. And then me and Chris Ryan and Sean Fennessy went through them, picked the ones we liked and Kind of, it was like a selection show. It was fun though. I had a good time doing it. So you can hear that. And then on Wednesday, we are doing uh, a second episode. We're going to do Copland. Ray Liotta passed away last week. Uh, it's our second favorite Ray Liotta performance and a good movie in general. The anniversary is coming up. Or might have already had, yeah, the anniversary is coming up this year. Uh, but we're doing that Wednesday night. So stay tuned for that. And on the Prestige TV podcast, me and Sean Fantasy and Big Waz broke down the last episode of We Own This City which was a fantastic show on HBO Max. And uh, we just really liked it. And coming up later in this podcast, John Berthal, who's the star of that show, he's going to talk about his role on that show and just um, a whole bunch of stuff. So that's happening. Coming up next, Dave Jacoby, Kevin Wilds, talking sports. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this part of the podcast, it is a little past 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. My old friends, Kevin Wilds and Dave Jacoby are here. They're in the grind of daily <laughs> sports content. The grind. Come up with some topics. Oh, come on. Come up with some angles. Let's go. And now, finally, the grind has slowed down. We have uh, four days until the finals. And now, now you get a little creative. Got to come up with some finals angle nobody else had. Um, yeah. I thought a fun talk show topic was whether Jimmy Butler should have pulled up for a three or gone to the basket. I've been thinking about this a lot the last two days. I said on Don't. Sunday night, well, I said on Sunday night, as a Celtic fan, just in the moment, in that 
split second when I realized he was shooting a three, I was relieved because I was so worried he was going to go to the basket, bounce off Al Horford, do the thing where he clears out with his left arm, gets the layup and the three-point play. And when he pulled up, having put all 48 minutes, I thought that was that was a relief for me. Where did you oh, guys stand? Because I know that on the talk shows, this was a topic. I had the exact opposite feeling. I had, As soon as he pulled up for a three, I was terrified. Because the Heat had the puncher's chance. Like, all right, if Jimmy goes crazy, the Heat can win. And I was like, the Celtics were winning wire to wire at that point. And I'm like, oh my God, here it comes. Jimmy Butler is going to throw the big right hand. This is, and we're going to, and we're going to be out. And he misses. So the fact that I was so terrified and nervous, I thought it was the right move. Also, like, let Jimmy be Jimmy. Like, let superstars do awesome stuff. I don't want to hear like, kick it out to Max. Like, drive and then kick it out. Like, okay. I mean, I, I get, I know history, like, oh, Steve Kerr made a shot and John Paxson made a shot. I, I don't care. I wanted Jimmy to take the shot. He missed it. It stunk, but I was totally fine with it. I was, I was, I was pro Jimmy sh- uh, decision making. Jacoby? 100% you have to take the shot. The, the only thing I disagree with with you two is I did not like this conversation. I was like, oh, we're going to have to talk about this stupid shot oh, for I loved like three, it. four days. It's loved like, it. oh, God. He hit the exact same shot at the, in the first half. He walked into it. He's exhausted. He's played 47 minutes and 49 seconds of basketball consecutively. It just looks like work. Like try, driving into Horford. Time. That's just a lot of work. And then you're going to go to to overtime. Like no chance. That and But it also in the moment, it really felt like everything was falling apart for the Celtics. They were just trying to just get. They're just trying to get to the buzzer. Just get there. And then it's stop and a score and a stop and a score and a stop and a score. There's so much momentum that when he rose up to take that shot, I really thought it went in. I, I, I was I was shocked when it, when it rimmed out like the way it did. But Horford doesn't get enough credit for closing out a three point shooter, immediately turning around and getting himself in position to get that little carom rebound. Like I think that was that was a yeah play that doesn't get enough attention. Good take. Well, he also busted his ass to get back on defense. I that game finished. I spent fifty minutes prepping for the pod. We're still and I just went live. I was still kind of reeling. And then afterwards, just kind of relaxed. I was catching up on a whole bunch of texts. And I was like, was I too, was I a little too negative on that podcast because the Celtics made the finals? Like, should I have been more happy and less like drained? Like we had just survived this fall from an 11 story building and somehow landed, you know, in a dumpster with garbage bags that survived. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm alive. And then I watched the last four minutes again. And I was like, oh my God, this was, this was like game six of the 86 World Series as a basketball game. So There's good. no timeouts. It's just, it's three straight minutes of oh, an 98-93 timeout. They come out of the timeouts, Drew sits at three, just watching it in real time. I I honestly think that would have been the worst game seven loss That's in, true. The his, in the history of the mm-hmm. NBA. And I, and I went through and I was like, what was the worst game seven loss than this? This was it. There's no worse one, especially with this Celtics team that had, you know, this was now the fourth swing to get to the finals. And if they don't get it this time, my God. So that, so I was actually like, wow, maybe I should have been a little more, <laughs> a little more like crazed after the pod that I was. I don't know. Do you think, Bill, um, I think John, uh, uh, John Schumann posted this yeah. on Twitter that, um, that when Jimmy tied the Raptors when he was with the Sixers, and he with four seconds left, that set up the Kawhi shot. Do you think Jimmy was thinking, you know what? I did this once and got the two, and Kawhi beat me. I'm not going to let it happen again. 
You know, I heard, I saw Perk and Stephen A had a good argument about this yesterday because Perk was like, I played sports. You're not thinking about legacy, big picture, history, anything. It's just everything's happening so fast. You're just like, oh, here's a chance to shoot. So I shot. I do feel like there was a hero ball element to it, though. You just have to. It's like he's in a sports movie. He's been crushing it for two straight games. And the opportunity is sitting there for a split second. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take the three. I guarantee, though, I I know that what they said after. I know Spo was like, oh, yeah, I'll take that shot every time. Do you actually watch that play? He should have gone to the basket and bounced off Horford. Like, he would have gotten a foul. He just would have. They were not going to call that foul. I don't think they would have called it. Jacoby, well, they were calling every other foul for Miami. Jacoby, what, what did Jalen, what was his uh, 15 years of NBA player take on this? Got to shoot that shot. Said you got to shoot it. You get, mm. you get a, a chance like that to go ahead. You know, like you're, there's a, you go in, into the arms, a lot of things can happen. Ball gets slapped away. Horford's really crafty. He had that great block on Struess earlier. Like, it's not a guarantee you're going to get two points. It's not a guarantee you're going to get fouled. We have a chance to go ahead. Another thing I liked about the shot was there's still 11 seconds left. So in theory, they could have fouled, you know, maybe maybe yep. Celtics go one for two. He's kind of giving himself a little bit of breathing room to get the ball back and get another possession, you know, with maybe a chance to go yeah. ahead or tie. It's not a bad so like, I, I like the shot in the moment. And one of the things that would make that collapse such a, a bad loss was game six. Like we forgot about game six. Like I did not expect to be back in Miami for game seven. You remember after after game five, I was like, this is over. Yeah. Celtics Warriors. I'm getting my Celtics Warriors takes together. You know what I mean? And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> we're, we're, the, we're the one possession game in game seven. Like, how did we end up here? What happened? It's the other thing I glossed over on the pod on Sunday. We mentioned it. It wasn't like we didn't give it credit, but how huge the Marcus Smart free throws were. When you think about some of the big games in the history of the league in conference finals or finals, where the guy goes one and two in that spot, or maybe he bricks both of them. Jalen in game six missed two. They would have gone up 101 99. And Smart had just missed, it felt like 17 straight threes, even though it was only three and he missed like a runner. But uh, but he aced those. It to me, it was like the personification of eight years of Marcus. It was the whole package. He was really good in that game. He was playing incredibly hurt. Um, he was, I guess, making taking the right shot each time. And yet it was unraveling in real time, which has happened in these Marcus games in the past. And then he ends up making the big play in the end. Uh, eight oh. years with this guy, Wilds. I, I definitely probably have, uh, I would say he's taken like three months off my life, long-term, lifetime. Yeah, but he's giving you a, I mean, is he your favorite Celtic? Interesting. My my favorite Celtic on this team is Horford. Really? I, I'm all mm. in on I love Al Horford. I do. I, he's He's become... You know, when I was a little kid, we had Paul Silas, who I barely remember, but he was my dad's favorite Celtic. And then in the 80s, we had DJ. DJ was like that classic, just a great teammate, didn't care about stats as much. I just, those guys I just love. And he is like, Bob Ryan made this point. He's could have played with any Celtic team in history. Oh, I like that. He could have been on the Russell teams. He could have been the power forward. He could have been on the 70s teams, easily could have played with Cowens and Silas and on the 80s teams would have fit in seamlessly and he's just like the definition of a Celtic. 
At I least like what that. I think. You like that? Jacobs? The Horfassance. The Horfassance is great. Like I, last year, he didn't play. The Thunder were just like, it's <laughs> right. cool. Don't worry about it. We'll pay you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Could have been picked up by anybody. And then he goes back to the Celtics and he's like the most important defender on one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the best defensive team in the league. And that's another reason that, that Jimmy shot, like Horford could get a block there. Horford could slap the ball out of his hands. Like that's not yeah. a gimme. So, like, I think if you're Jimmy, you've got enough space to rise up and fire and go ahead. Like, I, I think 100 times out of 100, you take that Jimmy shot. I really do. I have a little Kyle Lowry PTSD even two days later. <laughs> I, I've i never seen somebody with more tricks. It was like watching. I, I don't even know how to describe it. They, like, Grant Williams, it's in every the, when I, the three minutes or two minutes left, whatever, when the Celtics were falling apart, Tatum makes this perfect pass to Grant Williams who's on the baseline with the ball. Lowry's under the basket. He's got Jalen Brown on the other side of Lowry. He's taller than Lowry. All he has to do is either just kind of go in and lay it off the backboard or throw an alley up to Jalen. Lowry had the Celtics so psyched out by the end of game seven. He was so scared of the charge. He kind of didn't know what to do and kind of went at Lowry. Lowry just stripped him and took the ball. If you watch it, it's like one of the worst plays of, of the entire playoffs. It's like, you're right there. Just put it in. But Lowry was just, he was like a like a horror movie villain. He had so many tricks. He's pulling people. He's pulling jerseys. He's pulling it. arms. He's getting you know these I, charge calls. He's flying backwards before I, the guy even hits him. You know what I, I would always call if I was a ref, Jacoby? I would, oh, I just would, I would call it like, well, yeah, I mean, you hit him in the face. Lowry was really good at uh, playing defense. Someone's close to to his uh, you know jaw or or close to his face at all, and he's, he's oh he's the whip flying, back yeah he's flying back. <laughs> I would call it. I'm like, well, obviously he's flying back. That's a foul. Now did it? Did he get hit 100 percent of the time? No. Offense, he's like grabbing his neck. He's on the yeah. ground. Like maybe he got, I, I would watch him on replay. I'm like, did he get hit? I need like another angle of this. I need a specific Kyle Lowry cam before I accuse him of faking this injury. But I, I liked it. I like anybody that's sort of, I like the old crafty veteran. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, they really crafty. were. They're oh, so I would like hate crafty. to play against him. I would hate to have him defending me. I would get so mad. I would just kick him in the stomach. Like what? every time he, he does the blocker charge thing and he like falls over. He reminds me of like a baby on a changing table. You know what I mean? Just like arms and legs flapping right. around. He's kind of got the same like body type as a newborn baby. It's just like, and he's on the ground twice per possession. <laughs> I don't know how he ends up doing it, but he falls over twice a possession. It's funny. We always hear about like how shot blockers can change the game. Even they had two mm. blocks, but they challenged like 10 or they, you know, or mm. somebody who's driving toward the basket, saw them and did like a rush pull up versus like challenging them. And it's like, how do you quantify that? And that's why big guys always win the defensive player of the years. It's really rare to see a guard have that kind of power over the other team where if he's lurking near the basket, they're just worried about the charge so much. It actually changes decisions. He's a six foot fat guy. I mean, he's 20 pounds overweight. And it, and it didn't matter. Jason Kidd was, I think, the best version of that for me. Like he had be he became so good at getting charges that it would almost psych the other team out as they're driving to the basket. But I'm not gonna miss him. I'm not gonna miss the Bam out of bio moonshots with one second left on the shot clock. I'm not gonna miss Struess going like over a hundred, but somehow would always make the biggest shot of the game. Uh, it's thank God that team's going away. Now I have to work up, you know, some real animosity to this Warriors so, team. 
This is what I want to talk about. It's going to be hard. We talked about it a tiny bit on Sunday. I want to go deeper. How do I root against Steph Curry? I know I will, but (laughs) God. That's how I feel. Like that guy. I I feel feel the exact same. Like, I used to not like Paul O'Neill. And I'm sure if Paul O'Neill is listening, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I just, he was just like an easy guy sort of not to like. And I didn't like, you know, not in any real way. But he's just kind of, I would like actively root against him. You sport, um, you sports hated Sox him. Yankees. You sports hated him. Yeah, I didn't really dislike him. But at the, at the moment, I was like, ah, Paul, he's always arguing. Um, I really like Steph and I really like Draymond. And I, I really like, I'm like rooting hardcore for Clay. I'm rooting for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I, I like Steve Kerr. He's a nice guy. Rooting for Steve Kerr. I'm like, I'm rooting. I'm, I'm Jordan Poole. Like, that's a I've good got story. The I've got the answer. I'm rooting for everybody. Uh, go ahead. The You go anti-Lacob. Anti-San Francisco. <laughs> oh. Anti-Sweet. points of light? Yeah. Yeah. You go there. You just go anti-Lacob. You go against. you. You. It's, 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 it's like the Darth Vader. You know what I mean? It's like he, he's the evil overlord who's who's bragging about how he wants to go to 50% of the finals moving forward and he's light years ahead. Like, yo, <laughs> anti-Lakeup is the fix. That's the only thing you can uh, do. Can we go even further? Maybe it's anti-Big Tech. Yeah, now we're talking. Oh, pull that Blue in. collar Boston against the Silicon Valley Big Tech. Yeah, yeah. All, all this like Facebook watching us and all the oh, crazy yeah. shit that's happened Literally and how Big Tech ruins culture and TikTok Space. and how our kids are trapped to their phones and the Warriors symbolize all this. I like. I this. love this. I, love I can this. talk myself yeah, into yeah, this yeah. fast. Celtics, yeah, blue it, collar. It, it's, it's the Warriors' fault that my son's on Roblox eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I like Thompson. We're getting like Thompson's fault. All, like all the people, <laughs> all the people sitting in the stands, game one, are the problem with America. Yeah, this is good. I like this. So you, you go, go against the go. players, you go against what the Warriors stand for. You can't for. go this against is... the players. The players are perfect. They're so lovable. Like, I, I I love all of them so much. You can't go that way. You have to go against the city and against the ownership. Well, wait a second. Draymond's pretty pretty easy to root against if you're playing against him in a playoff series. I think he's in that Marcus Smart kind of, that phylum of you love will, him if he's on your team. Pods? You don't like him when he's on the other team. Do we get live pods after every game? For finals? I don't. Yeah, it's possible. It's right, at least for a couple of them. Sometimes the dates don't uh don't match up. But yeah, the live I I, I didn't know if I was gonna make it for that game seven pot if they lost. <laughs> I've never been in a situation of having to we we had some Patriots post game pods after like t- like the Eagles game, sucked it up, did a pod there, but the Pats had won a few. This Celtics one, it felt like the whole this whole era was gonna completely collapse if they blew that game. I don't I don't Can know I- how that I, I think those would be your best pods, probably. Like from when, my, when from I'm just my, traumatized. Yeah, I mean that's like <laughs> I have found like our best shows on First Things First is like the Chiefs lose or like and Nick's pick loses. It's like ah, the rate, the ratings for the first quarter. Like what's gonna happen? Yeah, yeah. Like, if that's the Celtics fair. lose, you know, I think it's good for you career wise. Uh, sorry, it, that's just a, Ooh, might oh. be bad personally, yeah, but that's, you know that's silver lining. I'm just telling you, if you really get into it, and then it's like ah, oh, Bill Simmons devastated. I'm going to tune into that one. <laughs> sobbing, <laughs> sobbing out there. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and I have another topic for you guys. All right. So you guys are, are doing the daily shows. I want to power rank fodder, easy fodder topics that just work. Chum in the water. Because Wilds was saying today, he somehow you end up doing Lakers stuff today. 
Yeah. And I remember mm-hmm. when I did yeah, countdown. Too. Yeah. I remember when I did countdown the first year, 12, 13, the Lakers weren't even good. No, nobody thought they were a contender. And it would seem like every other show, the producers were like, all right, so Lakers lead block. And I'm like, they're 35 and 33. Like there's, we could talk about, but it's just the Lakers play. So I'm going to give you Lakers. I'm going to give you Cowboys. Um, you, you know all Rogers. the principles. LeBron, LeBron legacy, Rodgers, um, the evil Patriots. Like what else? Like what, Wilds, what do you know? Like it's segment four. There's not a lot going on that day that you could just throw on there and it's just going to work. Okay, so I'm going to give you an outside the box answer. And I'm going to incorporate Jacoby in food news. Um, so Juliet on food news did a bit on, I think it was blueberry bagels. Was it Jacoby that she mm-hmm. said blueberry bagels weren't a bagel? And she, and she did like a, a I agree with her. That's a, it's a great take. <laughs> yeah. Great take. And she, it's a good take. And she was so fired up about it and so passionate. It was just like a must listen, whether or not you feel strongly about blueberry bagels or not. So this is a long way of saying, I think when there's nothing to talk about, you figure out what you feel the strongest about, and that comes through to the audience. Like, I would rather do something, like, I just feel strongly about Mac Jones. So we can, I can always kind of go to that well that I feel like he is being unfairly treated. So that is kind of in, a combo. In shape, Mac Jones. Skinny Mac Jones. Oh, my God. You see him? Yeah, guess what? He was Best shape of his life. But, and he was stayed 20 minutes after practice. First one there, last one to leave. Oh, yeah. Him and Joe Judge. Oh my gosh. As soon as the as as soon as the rooster crows, it's a race to the parking lot to see who can get there earlier. This is uh, I thought I was the leader of Mac Jones Island, but I'm just not. Wilds is the leader. <laughs> he's got, I'm the mayor. He's got a Baby bandana goat. around his head. He's holding a torch. I bought, I bought. For my my youngest son Billy loves stuffed animals. He's got like seventy stuffed animals. I, I try to throw. I try to call the herd. I, I think is the uh, nice way to say it. Where I'm like, man, we got too many. They the the the, the room can't support all of these stuffed animals. One got to go. So I'll take one. Yeah. And I will I will hide it and put it in my room to see if he notices. He will come up to his room and see that that there's sixty eight stuffed animals, and I'll be like you know, where's Pinky or whatever it is. So I got to reintroduce. So this is me saying, I bought a a baby goat stuffed animal and I had to hide it from him because I knew he would commandeer it. I'm like, no, not this one. It was like Goonies. This one's mine. I brought this little baby goat to the show and I I stroke his small beard when I'm talking about (laughs) Mac Jones and the (laughs) Mac Jones trajectory. I can get going on Mac Jones. Like, you know, you play the music, I'm going to dance. I get fired up about Mac Jones. Jacoby. Oh, he's going to be great. But Mac Jones is going to regress. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Mac Jones was in the Pro Bowl. He'll regress, but Zach Wilson will be better. Everyone will be better except Mac Jones. Okay, sure, everybody. Sorry, see, I'm sorry. I Jacobs, who Wilds will even go like if you switch Joe Burrow and Mac Jones, is the Super Bowl season any different? <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. The Trevor Lawrence, I remember being on camera and being like, Trevor Lawrence is the, the best prospect I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, generation. Yeah. I was, just, I was just like, can't miss, guaranteed success. And then you watch him in the NFL, you're like, ah, not that great. Another terrible take of mine is a Steph Curry coming out of college. I was like, too small. That stuff's not going to work. 
this is not going to work in the in the in the NBA. I remember before the draft, like that was my angle on Steph Curry. I was like, no chance this works in the big boy NBA. And then he becomes like this, you know, generational Hall of Famer, changes the well, game. You just forever. take that, you take that take, and you throw it toward Jimmer Fredette, and it's right. Yes, you were yeah. just like a, you were a year early on Jimmer. But we were talking, we're talking Lakers and Nets, like after the All Star break. And there's a part of me in the back of my mind, I'm like. The Nets just lost 11 straight basketball games. The Lakers are like right. on the verge of not being in the playoffs. Why is Still this like our entire A block Nets and Lakers just because of the star power? Wait, so let's go back to the original topic. So I think Lakers, Cowboys are eternal no matter what the record is and what's going on. They're just, I, I feel like they've surpassed everything else. And I think the Yankees used to be up there a million years ago, but you know the, the national baseball conversations have just kind of gone gone out the window until we get to like September, October. But I, I think Hold for on. me, it's for me, it's Lakers and Cowboys, and then a drop off to whoever else we want to do. Can I do a sidebar? Yeah, Bill. Sometimes things happen. Me and Kevin have talked about this in sports media, where it's like something happens. You're like, I can't wait to hear what that person's take on this sports story is. I need to know, Bill Simmons, what you think of the Jock Peterson injured reserve slap from Tommy Pham. I need to know your because it's it's the perfect like confluence of inside fantasy football yeah. and like interpersonal relations, workplace relations. And violence. So, I, I mean, those are the things I really want to hear your take on. So, please grant the audience your thoughts on this incident. So, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> to me, it, it's it's too hard to say 100% what happened. I still feel like we don't have the whole story. So, then I'm just going to gravitate toward who do I want to be associated with? Because we clearly have to pick sides. <laughs> there's, there's no way to... Got to pick you, a side. You got to go fam or you got to go jock. I just thought jock seemed like a loser with the whole thing. I thought his interviews were were <laughs> really like rambling and weird. I didn't like that he was minutes. showing <laughs> showing his phone with text to reporters. And it's just like, I don't want to be associated with Team Jock. On the other hand, you have fam who's talking about how he's a big dog in Vegas and the casinos love him. And I'm like, all right, maybe he's in the wrong, but I just... I need to, I'd rather be on that side. I don't feel good about either side, but that would be my pick. What do you have, Wilds? I mean, I'm going to be consistent with this take, and I have been for over a decade now. I do not care about your fantasy football team at That's all. It's great. It's a great like take. In order, in order to go to sleep, you can put on um, songs of humpback whales singing to each other in the Pacific Ocean or just any one of your buddies talking about their last weekend in fantasy football and what they needed and what the other guy needed. I'm just, I'm out on it. So the fact that baseball players are, are slapping each other in the outfield, still, still, it's still registering on my, I don't care. I love fantasy football, but it's just like your dreams. I don't care about your dreams. I'm sure they were interesting to you, but, and my dreams are interesting to me, but I, I, it doesn't cross over. I'm not interested. Sorry. It's, I'm trying to be pat. I'm passionately not interested. Where'd you land, Jacoby? Well, when I saw the Jock Peterson explanation and I clicked on it, 
and it's like three and a half minutes. I'm like, yeah, wait, 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 no wait. Way. I'm like, yeah, what's yeah, going on with you? Minutes of this, and then I'm Come watching on. it, and he's just talking himself in circles about the injured reserve and this and that. It's like this is the most guilty thing I've ever heard. Like what you are, guilty. are you in? If it takes you three and a half, it's like in the ESPN settings that we have, you're allowed to do okay. it. This other one, I was like, the explanation was so long and detailed that it, it's just it just screams, I am guilty. I am in the wrong. Oh, yeah. I had another another side take. How about the fact that somebody was videotaping it when the slap happened? Mm. Why are you, why are you videotaping this. early batting practice, just guys standing in the outfield, you're 300 feet away. Is just everything videotaped now? Like just people just have phones and they're just taping everything at all times? How would somebody even think to have that? It wasn't even a security cam. I don't know. No. I don't know. Interesting. So you think the fam was like, watch this. Roll no. Yeah, or... No. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know what to like you, Bill. It wouldn't be like you to have a conspiracy theory about something like this, though. You know? Why would somebody videotape three people standing in the outfield an hour and a half before a baseball game? And you're just like, hey, that looks interesting. I can't wait to download this. And send this to some friends. <laughs> Look at this conversation from way back. Anyway, all right. So Lakers, Cowboys. Yeah. Um, Bra- what about Brady? Where do we stand on Brady these days? How are the Brady conversations? Lukewarm? He's just, yeah, he's lukewarm. so good. He's so good. There's not a lot to discuss, I don't think. Yeah, there's I, not, I, you, you need sides, right? You need two sides to whatever. Like Rogers of- is easy because you could be like, Rogers is Rogers, you. is he a good he, teammate? Would you want to play with him? Does he care about winning? You can go a whole bunch of things. Can, can I, let me ask you. Celebrity girlfriends. Rogers is great. Um, do you think that the Cowboys are in there because the Cowboys, you know, America's team, but that was really based on the history of the Cowboys franchise. And, you know, that's why, like, Cousin Sal's a Cowboys fan, right? He's not from Texas, yeah. but you see, they run into, like, um, so people that are generational and a lot of Steelers fans. Do you feel like the Patriots are the next in line for a whole generation of kids that grew up? And the Patriots are, like, I jokingly refer to them as America's team. So like last year when they played oh, like the new America's like, team, I was like, Oh, it's America's team versus the Cowboys. Got me. People got fired up. Do you think that the Patriots, since they had a whole generational two decade run, which is by the way, still ha- still continuing that they are next in line to be like, Oh, they're just a national franchise. That's why they have so many um, games on national on primetime and stuff like that. Do you think are they're next in line to be Cowboys Steelers? I don't, I think it's going to, why? I, I don't, because uh, I think it's always going to be Dallas. I don't know why, but I think it comes from the 70s and it comes from the amount of Dallas Cowboy fans. Sure. And the fact that, I mean, if you look back at really since they won their last Super Bowl in the mid-90s, their playoff record's like pretty atrocious. I know, but they have I a mystique. Yeah, that's the thing. But they, it's almost like, I remember I wrote a thing a long time ago, maybe like eight, nine years ago, comparing them to Kardashians where it's just like the noise around them becomes, that's the draw. It's just like, oh, the Kardashians, something happened. They're dating so, this person, they're dating that. And they're, it's just like a reality show. And the Cowboys are like a more of a reality show than a football franchise. Have you watched, um, they've been released, the NFL has released all the audio from um, the draft with like the calls from uh, oh, yeah. ownership mm, to the, yeah. the players. And I'm not, you guys know, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I like, I like the Cowboys, but I'm not, I don't own Cowboys, you know, stuff. So Jerry Jones, and he, I think he's, he may say the same thing to Emmett Smith as he does so recently. He goes, 
they, they call up and Jerry and it, Jerry Jones gets the phone. He goes, hello, whoever. He goes, how, how would you like to put a star on that helmet? And I, I legit mm. got chills. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just it's such a good line. It just, it just, I said, how would you like to put a star on that? I was like, wow, what a, it's just such a great line. I just loved it. And I was like, man, the Cowboys are like a special franchise. If they're giving me chills and I'm not being drafted, I'm just listening to a YouTube clip. <laughs> 12 years Jacoby, you know why Jerry's I agree so with that? Good at those calls. Yeah, oh, it's Jer- great. Jerry is, I think, you know, he's the most visible, important owner. But the other thing is, for, it's the only team where the players are on the team become like weirdly, crazily overrated, right? Dak Prescott, I think people genuinely think he's one of the best QBs in the league. He's always thrown in these discussions and yet he's basically Kirk Cousins. There's no difference between him and Kirk Cousins from a career, from the stats they put up, from their performance of playoff games. There's no difference, like literally none. But I think everybody thinks Dak Prescott is better than him because he wears the uniform. It's like what happened with Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers. It's Kyle Kuzma. Oh, can't give up him. It's a guy he's been in some big games, learning from LeBron. And then he goes to the Wizards and he's pretty good on the Wizards, but how many Kyle Kuzma pretty conversations good. have yeah. you had <laughs> since, right? None, none. But I, do you think there's something about that team that gives you this aura of something? You know what I mean, Jacobs? Well, it works. There's a reason that's always A1 on Monday morning on first take. It's it's always, always, always the conversation around the Cowboys. It's, it is like a reality show. What happens on the field, win or lose, fuels the conversation. Like there's something about them that just gets elevated. The hype, the discussion, the discourse. It's all it, it, it's it's the Cowboys huge gap and then every other team. Huge yeah. gap in terms of just like cultural significance. The, the, the amount of time in, that we waste talking about them, there's a huge gap, huge gap between the Cowboys and every other t- franchise. Can I give you, can I give you the, the opposite story? A team yeah. that, is, that is not sort of historically um, celebrated, but is consistently interesting. Uh, it's the Browns and Baker. Baker, we always mm. have good conversations about Baker. Like, yeah. should you release Baker? Should the Panthers get Baker? Should Baker go to the Seahawks? Mm. Just, I think Baker's just... Is Baker... Is Baker actually good? Is Baker um, given a raw deal? Like I think Baker's just consistently interesting. I'm rooting for Baker. I hope he. I hope he does well. Uh, but but you know, Baker just- Baker's a good example of what's happened to baseball. And I'm not saying the conversations dr- have driven some of baseball's issues because I do think it's like length of the games and getting our kids to watch and stuff like that. But if Baker was a baseball player, there we would just be like, here are stats. Here's his war. Here's his. Here's his, the speed coming off his bat. Here's his barrel speed. Oh, but don't get um, me started. Ex- exit velocity. Yeah, oh, exactly. like we'd have oh. all that stuff, and we would we would be able to determine if he was a good baseball player or not. But in football and basketball, you can just go in all these. Like, I don't think Baker is a a very good quarterback, and I'm not even sure he's a good quarterback. But I also know that they succeeded with him two years ago, and that's got to be yeah. something. He was hurt. They, he was they hurt got to all the conference finals. He was hurt all last year. And it's like, you could give me the, he's short. I don't like him. I wouldn't be excited if he was the Patriots quarterback. But it's crazy to me that a team like Seattle would just be like, you know who's good? Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Let's, just, we're, let's we're go with Drew Locke. Locke. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're like, Baker clearly better than Drew Locke. He's clearly, clearly. better than Sam Darnold. We can, he's better than Davis Mills. Like, there's guys he's obviously better at. But I, I think that's why. 
it's fun. It's more fun with football and basketball. Well, Baker's giving us flashes. Like, yeah. Remember that? Like two years ago, he had this game against the Titans where he had like five touchdowns. He was just like basically perfect. It was like it was like pitching a perfect game. He was an absolute perfect quarterback. And then I'm looking at last year, like he's hurt. He had like a torn labrum. It's like his, his chest was broken. Of course, he's not throwing the ball right. on the field. It's hurt the entire season. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know what? Wow. It's like, good good um, commercials. If I'm running a football team, right. I'm out on short quarterbacks. I think being out on short quarterbacks is is back in the Doug Flutie yeah. era of. Eyes oh. too short, can't make it. Out on and, Kyler. It, and then he became underrated. I'm out on all short quarterbacks. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm out on yeah. all of them. You oh, have like to be him. like an like amazing it. athlete. Um, and yeah, Kyler, like, he'll run sometimes, but then he'll get banged up during the season. And he won't run as much, and then he's just you, anyone can beat the Cardinals. I love the idea that just because you're short, you're you're going to be you're like you're injury prone. Like ah. Short. These like, guys what are that, huge. What does that got to do with There's, anything? Did you see the defensive guys <laughs> getting drafted in this last draft? They're 330 pounds. Uh, if you're 6'5", it's, you're, oh, you can absorb hits better. It makes no sense. Ah, he's short. I, I don't know. Brian Westbrook seemed to do okay. That Rams game was so bad from Kyler. It was so bad. So bad. He completely melted down. And then he decides to pick this offseason to be like, pay me my money or else. It's like, bro, the last time you were in uniform, you were throwing the ball to the other team on the one yard line. That's where it goes. Yeah, but they, you know. It's tough. Kyler. I mean, there's basketball players like that too. The Wizards are going to have to decide whether they want to give Bradley Bale $250 million. And I just don't think there's any world where he's the best player on the title team. Maybe he's the mm -hmm. second best player and a contender, but you know, especially they're going to add two NBA teams after this next deal, which I keep telling people. I don't know whether they believe me or not, but we're going to have thirty-two teams in a couple years. Vegas and Seattle. Oh. Why are you looking at me that oh. way? Well, no, I, 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 I was, I was, I was ready to see. I thought you were like dropping more interesting no. news. No, it's happening. No. It's a, yeah. I, okay. I've never wavered from it. It's going to happen, and we're going to have thirty-two teams, and it's you know, it's going to be harder and harder to figure out like how much do I want to commit to this max guy so I can go 38 and 44. What do you got, Jacobs? I got one for you, Bill. I got one. You're going to love this one. You're expanding teams. You want to draw interest to these new franchises. What if you took the most famous athlete in the world and put him on one of those teams, the Las Vegas LeBrons? If you just, if you start, because mm. the, the, the the timing kind of works up. He'll be at the end of his career. If you just I've been saying he's part of the Vegas. group. He's on the Fenway Sports uh, yeah, Group. Yeah. LeBron's going to be on that team. It's going to happen. I'm Vegas. telling you. LeBron yeah, it's in happening. Vegas. It's happening. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Not far from LA. It, it'd be the great way to start a franchise. He transitions into ownership. This this is like, it's it's perfect. It's perfectly set up for LeBron to yeah. start a Vegas franchise. Oh, Wilds is... Wilds is right in like He's taking notes. Yeah, he's taking notes tomorrow on First Things First. I like that take. Las no, Vegas with LeBron. What happens with LeBron this next year is going to be so interesting because he doesn't want to leave LA. His son's a senior. I don't think that team has any chance to actually compete for a title unless they just pull off some miracle moves this summer, which I think is going to be just about impossible. Plus, he's in his 20th year. And at some point, what... We've never seen a situation like Kobe. We never saw it because the Lakers were like, you're never playing for anyone else. Here's a lot of money. Jordan retired before we got to that point, then came back for the Wizards for two years. But with LeBron, he could just be a free agent a year from now. Be awesome. And what is Can that I worth? Clippers. Clippers. 
That's what I Ty yeah. Lue, Clippers. Love it. Yeah, we talked. We remember we, Bill. We talked about because, that because like mm-hmm. six months ago he talked about LeBron leaving the Lakers and we shut him down. And yeah, you guys sudden, shit on me. You're the, you're you're you don't you're so like LeBron. I'm like, okay. I, hey, it's the way it I goes, think it's dude. realistic that he might not stay. You're like the first guy with the cell phone. Like, this is going to work. I'm like, man, nah, it doesn't work. Sometimes it's like second <laughs> or third company that comes along that really takes off. Like, it is what it is. Uh, can I pitch you a, a trade that I think works for the Lakers, Bill? Uh, I put it on Twitter. Uh, Let's hear it. Duncan, Duncan Robinson uh, and Kyle Lowry for Russ. The, the salaries match up. Duncan Robinson's largely, you just had. Long, You're going to put Jimmy huge, Butler and Russell Westbrook together? Hardest playing team of all time. I think it would be great. And I'll, he, I'll say the heat culture will, will kind of morph Russ into his best self at this stage in his career. Duncan Robinson can't play. He just can't play. You signed him for, five, I think, five, five around 70. He, and you just had a whole series where he's riding the bench. And you needed scoring. You're like, I know we need scoring. And I know it's the Eastern Conference Finals. We're still going to sit you. So when's the situation? He's not going to turn into a great defender. So... Sure, put him on the Lakers. Give give LeBron his shooter, and then Kyle Lowry. It's that's another. I think he's got three years. Uh, so they get a true point guard in LA. You like that, Dave Jacobs? Like anything that gets Russell Westbrook off the team, anything like the, this. This latest story where they're like they don't want to attach their twenty twenty seven first rounder. Like attach him, get Russell Westbrook off. They're that not team. going it to. Just has to happen. They're going to take it into the season. It's going. They're going to stare and contest it. Oh my God. Wilds, oh. I have a I have one for you. Sure. I was thinking about this a lot with uh, you know, the the Fulham team that got relegated that the Khan family owns. They own AEW and that. Uh, that. She, I, I, geez, I was well, supposed to be Fulham, but then they had another one where No, they had another, they had this game. It was like the winner of the game makes the Premier League. And it was like a okay. big deal for the soccer fans. And now we have the G League, which has 30 teams and cities and Oh, I'm you in know, on this. Love it. Already in. Yep. Guaranteed. Way in. Yeah, way in. Could there be this new universe of the NBA where it's like 20 teams are in the actual NBA and then everybody else is like G League, whatever, 22 teams, whatever it is. And then the bottom four have to stay, have to, the bottom four get relegated. The top mm-hmm. four in the other league go up. I don't feel like the players, there's, Weird parts about how would the players agree to this? What if you're like Anthony Edwards? Do you want to be in the rel- the second division versus the top division? But then that's where the transfer fees come in. So you'd have to have transfer fees if the team get relevated, people become free agents. You'd basically blow it up. I guess my question is, would the NBA just be better if it operated like the Premier League? Okay, uh, yeah, 100%, 100%. It will never happen, but it is a tremendous idea. I think the best part, and again, I wasn't prepped on this. I didn't thought we were talking to NBA. I wasn't ready to dive into the hierarchy of English football. But I believe the it's Premier League and then you get relegated. But you can keep on getting relegated down to you're just playing with, uh, you know, shout out to J.J. Right. Reddick, plumbers and firemen. But yep. you're actually playing. So I would keep I would keep it going. You have the NBA and then you have the G League and then there's a league under that and then a league under that. So eventually... The, Z- the Z League? Well, you just keep on... It just keeps on going. And if you're in the top... Four, what you what just, league is Jacoby in? Could we have enough leagues Jacoby still my, playing? My Wednesday night rec league team be like, guys, if we go on a streak, if we go on a hot streak, we're going to be playing Madison Square Garden in three years. Yes, you can. <laughs> Not three years, but you know, you, you'd have to work your way up. But that's yeah. the way... I don't know who the most league. successful team is in uh, in the Premier League. But 
There's, you can go all the way down. So you're like, yeah, you're actually in the game. You're in the system. You're in the game. I absolutely love it. I love it. Because part of it is... I love it. If you're doing the Premier League thing, you'd have way less games on the schedule too. But you'd be able to make it up because you'd have more teams, right? You'd have have 50 teams. You'd have second division. You'd be able to sell the second division TV rights. There would be real stakes for people trying to come up. They'll never do it, but I think it would be... I think it'd be fun. Let's take one more break and then we'll do some half bake. I'm breaking news to Dave Jacoby. Oh. The last time I saw Dave Jacoby, we were with uh, Jalen Rose in Boston after game three. We had some drinks and some more drinks because that's usually what happens when I'm with Jacoby. Jacoby is like <laughs> definitely better for my health when we're 3,000 miles apart. You're welcome. It's some more drinks. <laughs> they left. At like 6.15 in the morning, I woke up on the kitchen floor in front of the refrigerator. <laughs> what? I have no idea how I got there. <laughs> for the I was wearing my a t-shirt and underwear. And I think I went for a drink and was just like, I need to lie down. And that was it. And I... And that was where I woke up and I walked back to my bedroom and continued sleeping. Oh, man. <laughs> That's amazing. That's Thank amazing. You. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a story. Yeah. Game three. Lost and I woke up on the kitchen floor. <laughs> your Are you sure it wasn't a and like, fall? And like shoes. Yeah. It wasn't a fall. I checked my head because I was like, do I have a concussion? <laughs> I think, I know, because I've been in this situation before. I think, I think I was going for a drink and I just... Wasn't feeling awesome. So I think I just laid down and then it just got comfortable. And the, and the reason I woke up was because oh it was a cold kitchen floor. <laughs> the couch is one thing, but the kitchen floor is probably like oh, the most uncomfortable tile. place. Cold tile. Most uncomfortable no, place in the entire, entire condo. Anyway, it was good to see oh, you, oh Jacoby. My God. <laughs> good to see you too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, thought, My I want gosh. to know more. I want to know more. What position were you in? Were you sitting against the fridge? Oh, were you no. lying I down? I want to know less. No, I was. I have... was lying on my side. Like I was like comfortable. Do it? I think. I think I would have stayed there if the floor wasn't as cold. <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't see Jalen and Jacoby together in a year, so it was it was wonderful <laughs> to see them. Anyway, what, what do you have for half baked ideas, Wilds? Okay, I have I have one solo half baked idea. It's less of a half baked idea and more of just the absolute truth. Okay, so here we go. The NBA rolled out these new trophies, the Magic Johnson Trophy and uh, the Larry Bird Trophy. But and somehow they didn't are, have Magic Johnson or Larry Bird presenting the trophy to the player. I mean, that's the least of our problems. Yeah. That's the least of our issues. I, I'm going to talk about the actual trophy. And I did a, I've done a lot of research oh. and, uh, uh, for mm-hmm. my entire mm-hmm. life. has all been about trophies in the pursuit thereof. And anyone that says, ah, you know, Wilds, you're probably dedicating too much to trophies. It's the entire sports industry. There's billions of dollars going after trophies. So guess what? The actual trophy matters a lot. And you should do more than just Google, like trophies.com, come up with some random trophy and give it to Jason Tatum. It's not how it works. So here's how it is. Major sports trophies are broken down into four categories. It's called, I, I, I've called them the WIMP. W-H-I-M-P. We'll start mm. with the W. Good love acronyms. Uh, w, wearable trophies, okay? You got rings, oh, rings uh, green jackets, 
heavyweight championship belts, bracelets. gold medals. Wait, bracelets, World Series poker, yeah, poker bracelet. Shout out, yeah, brother. That's all, that's all the, those are great trophies. You want to make a wearable trophy? I'd co-sign it. The Larry Bird and Magic Johnson trophies are obviously not wearable. So that's a loss. Second, H, huge, huge trophies. You can always just go, when in doubt, ah, we don't have a great idea for the trophy. Just make it huge. Just make it a huge trophy. Champions League trophy, huge. Stanley Cup trophy, huge. Some of these horse racing trophies are get bigger than the horse. You can always make a huge trophy. Again, the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird trophies are underwhelming. They may be measuring it about 14 inches. Okay, I, iconic. All right, you can, the World Series trophy, the Lombardi trophy, neither huge nor wearable, but they're iconic. They have so much history. They are just a, a perfect trophy. I but think the World Series new- trophy is is bad, just awful, for the record. Awful trophy. That's it's awful. unwieldy. It, it could it hurt like somebody. Yeah, no, it's got like a bunch easily. of weapons on it. It's so yeah. delicate. Yeah. No, I yeah. love it. Delicate. Stanley Cup is the, Stanley Cup's the standard. Stanley Cup's a no, great, no, great okay. trophy. You can drink out of it. Too big. Getting too big. Stanley Cup too big. Too big. No way. It's sneaky light. Sneaky light. I love that guy. Like the Stanley Cup guy. Oh, and he, we like had him Stanley on the podcast. Yeah, remember? we had him on the yeah. podcast. This guy's amazing. He's like, that's like, what is your job, Steve? He's like, I, I control the He's Stanley the escort. Cup. I take Cup care escort. of the Stanley Great. Cup. I'm, I am the gloves I'm like the caddy. I'm the yeah, I'm the white glove yeah. caddy for the Stanley Cup. All right, we interrupt the Wilds. Keep going, Wilds. Okay, sorry. So that's the iconic trophies, Lombardi trophy. That's so we have but W H and I so far. So MP, mini person, mini person, like the Heisman Trophy. Like, oh, here's a mini. Oh, mm. I got a mean it's a nice one. Now, if you can combine them all, a huge trophy that you can wear that's a lot like that's a mini a mini person like the Eisen trophy, that'd be great. They they didn't do any of these for the Larry Bird trophy. So look, it's the first year you're allowed to have a mulligan on the trophy. Say, come back and say, you know what? We've decided to contact uh, you know, someone involved in the um in the Heisman trophy uh, design. And we are going to make the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson trophies. We have the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, so you can you can hold them. Even the MVP trophy was is not necessarily Jerry West, but it's based on Jerry West. That's a cool trophy. So these trophy that trophy is not doing it for me, man. It, I am not a fan. This sounds it needs like to be redesigned. This sounds like this should be part of when uh, if I ever become the sports star. Like we it, should have a trophy and awards, agenda. trophy and awards kind of consultation. I'm with you. First of all, Jacobs, they missed a great opportunity to do a mini Stanley Cup where you could have you could have drank out of the bird or the magic trophies, right? Oh, yeah. They could have done a mini Stanley no, Cup, what? basically, and you could have poured cup, poured it on him, whatever. <laughs> or or just made made the player that done the Heisman model or so, like, could a number, could 33 and 32 have been on the trophies? Ooh, like, something attached to the Take players? The, it could they be put the, no oh, thought the into this. Sports Illustrated cover? Make, yeah. a, make a statue out let of me, that? Let on, me pile right on there. here. Hey, man, yeah. hey, let me kick this half-baked. Uh, I put it back in the oven for a little bit. What if every year they debuted that year's trophy? So it was like it's sort of like the the championship ring is different every year. So what Ooh. if the Larry O'Brien was just like it's just like a little tweak on a theme? So every Larry O'Brien trophy was unique to that year and that theme, but it, it still looked like the Larry O'Brien trophy, but it was unique. That's not bad. I don't hate that. I think I don't think you did that with the Larry O'Brien. I don't think you do with Larry O'Brien, but I think you could do it with those Bird Magic trophies. Also, mm-hmm. like when did we ever care about the conference championship trophy? I never remember even. 
Like the, in the NFL, they they barely want to hold it. I think the bird magic trophies were, those were really cool ideas. Yeah. And then they and hold the, it up and it looked like something like my son would win because he gave the best speech <laughs> in 10th grade. It's like, dad, I won this award. Like, oh, okay. $5 trophy. It's I'm with great. you, Wilds. So, not a thanks. lot of thought put into it. Hey, here's my other question. Because we can all we can all agree, like pretty uninspiring trophy. There had to it, it had to have been the final verdict on the trophy, right? They had to have had different mocks. There had to have been PDF files mailed around. Oh, give me here's here's ten different choices. Which one do you like, Adam? Adam's like, uh, how about that fourteen inch completely generic one that looks like it could be for any yeah. sport? It has nothing in common with Bird or Magic. It's got crystal in it. I love crystal. I call Sawarski. I just, uh, I'm just not a, I'm just not Huge a missed fan. Opportunity. Huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Jacobs, what would you have gone for? Like, would you have wanted to drink out of the bird and magic trophies? No. Guys. Well, a couple things. The cup really does play. You know, like yeah, when, wow, when they're drinking out of the a cup, cup yeah. it really plays. I like, like the cup. they're drinking beer out of it, and like you know, they're holding it up and passing it around. Like no one's passing around the conference championship trophies. So I, I think I think drinkable is good. I think it's just something that's drinkable. functional. Yeah, something that's functional that you can use. The cup works. The World Cup doesn't look like a cup at all. That, that's true. What if it was like a big World champagne? Cup bad too. No, it's, it's not. That's a World horrible thing. Bad. Edit that bad out. Trophy. Bad trophy. Take. I don't like the World Cup trophy either. No, bad trophy. In. It looks messy. Oh, it's like it's like Kyle, an abstract painting. Out. No, Awful Kyle, take. keep it in. Keep it Awful in. Awful take. Ugh. How about this? Eastern Conference, Western Conference trophies for NBA. It's shaped like a giant champagne bucket. It's got accompanying glasses around it. And then the trophy that sticks out of it nice. is like a, a mock oh, champagne I bottle. One. I got oh, one. I got one. I got one. <laughs> yeah, I got we one. are. Eastern we just won the finals. Team. We just made the finals. You make the conference trophies like so they can like um, go side by side to the Larry O'Brien trophy, so so you can complete it. So some team just has like half half of of, of a full trophy, but the oh. one team completes it when they get both of them together. Oh, Boom. it's like a middle school crush I, thing. I, I do like kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've like been that. on the championship ring thing. I think would would have worked so much better as an awesome necklace, like like the, a necklace think, that like. You know, if LeBron, when he's out in the town, if he had on like a chain that had all four rings that he won as a player, and he's just like, that's what he's wearing when he's going to like a movie premiere. That makes so much more sense to me than these four gigantic rings that I don't know if you've ever held one of those. Like they're completely, you can't even function when you have these rings on. You can't even send an email. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to text. Remember Phil Jackson did that as like his, (laughs) his book? His well, book thing, it was like a viral yeah, thing. Yeah. He's like, ah, because I can't type. I got my uh, uh, 10 rings well, or whatever. Well, think about that. Phil Jack, he, yeah, yeah, I think he had 13 rings, finally, with two as a player and 11 as a coach or whatever it was, six, yeah. But if he, if he, you had that as like this giant chain with all the rings, it would go See, all the way around cool. him. That would be pretty I cool. I love this. I love this. That would be cool. I'd vote for that. I, I just think championship rings is one of those, like, I always had this theory and like sometimes when people go, well, that's the way we've always done it. And with championship rings, for some reason, they evolved in the 50s, 60s. Like, there were years where the Celtics, you got, like, a watch. There was some nice. stuff for sports auctions. Like, New accessories. The 1962 Celtics championship watch that every player oh, got because like they didn't get a ring. But oh. in the 70s, they it became ring, and now it's, like, rings culture, literally. I think I think the Bucks ring does transform into a pendant. 
I believe. Oh, interesting. I think, oh, you can, yeah. I, I think you can pop it off. It like it twists and then it pops out and, and you can wear it. I believe. I'm, I, I've got to check with Justin's um, on, on that, but I, I'm almost positive you can pull can, that off. Before we go, can we do um talking head draft for the topic that will hit the hardest if each team wins? So I think for the Warriors, if they win, we immediately go into Curry versus LeBron. They now have the same number of rings. And that just dominates the summer. How good how good could LeBron have been? He has the same rings as Curry. He's one less than Kobe. And we mm. just go down that road and that just becomes a summer of people yelling at each other about that. Oh no, don't don't forget the KD angle if the Warriors win. I like that part. The, the like the win without KD, KD oh. being swept by the Celtics. Like you, you if you can wedge LeBron and KD to into anything, it's going to get better. So you just you, you get KD involved in the discussion about the Warriors. How this one means more and this is this is the true Warriors without right. KD. Like that whole thing I'm going to really enjoy if they win. Yeah, and how is how good was KD anyway? And, and then that whole goes he'll somebody do, gets two days out of that. Yeah, he'll it's get mad. That that whole thing is going to be great. Wilds is just looking at a whole summer of Nick Wright doing this on his show because that that oh, I love it. I love it. Nick love Wright it. will be well, all some, in on that. There's some like Steph top ten all time talk. Um, right. Then I I think the the more fun thing I mean you'll like this Bill uh, is like <laughs> we have I don't know if Pat Riley started this or like when you go to the tr when you go to the parade and you immediately are like we're running it back we're like we're we're kind of like. It's, it, so it becomes how many can the Celtics win, and and I think that's oh with the Celtics of, win yeah. The the Celtics were the most dominant team of the last century. Um, are the Warriors the dominant team of this century? Joe Lacob mm -hmm. has some quotes that like they didn't trade draft picks to you know maximize Steph's window because they want to win, be good for a very long time, and all of a sudden like well. They've got Jordan Poole and Wiseman pops. And but at the same time, the Celtics are super young. So are any of these teams going to win more? It's good. It's going to be like a half hour celebration. Like, can you do it again next year? Should you be the favorites? So immediately looking forward. I think that's the big topic. <laughs> Bill, you're you took your pants off at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So you're just sitting there. <laughs> you always you go back to the kitchen floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take your pants off and then you decide to rest on the kitchen floor. Like you got ready for no. bed in some respects because we've all fallen asleep on the couch with our jeans on. No, I was in bed. I was in bed because so the you bed... Were, you were in bed and then got out of bed. I think I left bed to go get water <laughs> and then just settled on the kitchen floor. My goodness. <laughs> 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 Listen, oh. I, it's, shots aren't good for me, Jacobs, especially as I get older. Yeah, we're at the bar, we're at the bar. Bill goes to me. Bill goes to me. So, do you still do shots? Like, like he tried oh. like bring up like it's like it's, like See, it's, like it's a conversation piece. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a mistake. He, goes, he goes, "Do you still do shots?" He asked me. I get like, excited. No, I see Jacoby. Just order the shots, dude. Jacoby and shots. I have a we have a lot of history together. We have a lot I, of history, and I'm sitting there hanging out with Bill, and Bill's just got his eye on the door. Just staring at the door the entire time, just waiting for Jalen to show up. I'm like, bro, look, I can have a conversation about the game too. We can That's, hang out here. Maybe Jalen no, comes. Maybe Jalen doesn't come. That is so not true. Just, I was so happy to hang friend, out with you. Bad friend. No, I. You kept telling me Jalen was going to show up, and Jalen is like Bigfoot. Like you don't know if you're. You, you can know. be in the wilderness for <laughs> six months, hoping to get a glimpse of him for eight seconds, and then all of a sudden he'll show up. <laughs> and then he does this thing where it was always your fault. 
Jalen. <laughs> He's the best. This is and not you, And you have to go on your phone and be like, no, no, the I've sent the last three texts. <laughs> like it's not, this is not equal of us staying in touch. But yeah, I'm I'm retired from shots, Wilds. It's over. Wilds retired a oh, while yeah. ago. I yeah. retired decades you're, ago. You're yeah. the Tom Brady of retiring from shots, Bill. But to, but Wilds is the Tom Brady of Irish goodbyes. I'm the be- the goat goaded. Oh. Oh yeah. Goated. So oh, we were hanging out. We were hanging out with um Chambo and DOC. We had a great time. Wild spent at least an hour and a half just staring at people smoking cigarettes and like wondering how he could get one. <laughs> you know what I mean? make moves though. Like, Discipline. Yeah. He's like, do you Disciplined. need me to go over there with you? Like, what do you want me no, to do? You're just was, staring at people smoking cigarettes. Disciplined. I'm, I'm you were living through them focused. vicariously. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and they were smoking those little tiny Capri menthol ones too. I'm like, that's gonna be an awful experience, even if you get one of those wilds. I didn't. I didn't. And that's then, why. And then he's he Irish goodbyes so much that once he like got up from the table, I was like, oh, he'd be probably he's, he's gone. We'll never see this man again. Out of here. I'm, and I, then he dri- I, drives by in an Uber and he's like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I ended up in here. I don't His know car just pulled up and then I got in. Here I am. See you later. I think it's really smart because Wilds knows he can text people the next day and say it was great to see them. And it's nobody's upset that we didn't have the hug. Just everybody yeah, knows. Yeah. I don't need. I don't need these melodramatic goodbyes on a Wednesday. Sorry, everybody. I'm it would be gone. funny. If, to... It would be funny if your kids were Irish goodbyers, just even like pre-drinking, just gone. Yeah, sometimes like, they I, are. Like you, you see them I at like whatever at the at a movie theater, and then they're just gone. They don't no, even at, thank you at for the, the dinner table. Next thing you know, boom on the iPad. Like what just happened? <laughs> <I> would... <laughs> How'd you pull that off? I was wild. I, with both of you guys are not like huggers. Like I cannot see you for three years and I'll get like a nice firm handshake from you guys. And I think Wilds leaves because he doesn't know whether to go with the handshake or the hug he's, goodbye. He's, so he's, he he's anti hug. Deal with that. He doesn't want to deal with that. So he just goes. I'm out of here. He's just, just goes. I, That's what he does. I still need it. It's just it's the goodbyes are the are the are the the least efficient time spent in our society. Oh, when can I see? You? Oh, is I start planning something else? Like okay, here we go. I'm That's gone. I'm the, a, I call me. I'm the Jose Alvarado of the need, uh, the Irish goodbye. I'm hiding in the corner. Next the corner thing you know, boom, got you. Gone. <laughs> Out of here. Bill, Jose I Alvarado. A, I need it. I need to You need if you're going to the finals in Boston, I need you to take a picture of yourself lying down in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it every just couple. To recreate it every couple of months. I'm just gonna send you one. Uh, and I told my wife, and my wife was so happy that. Um, I, you even got me to a, I woke up on the kitchen floor standpoint. You know, <laughs> she's no if I'm washed up as a fun person. Uh, before we go, wow, it's prediction for the finals. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. Mm. My fun stat is Celtics have won six of their last seven games in the Bay. So I don't think home court is a, is a huge advantage for the Warriors. Celtics in seven. I do Celtics have seven road wins this season. Boom. I mean, Let's in the go. playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. I think the record's nine. Two more road wins, they tie the record. What do you have, Jacobs? Pretty good. So, both of these teams have, like, had some really, really sucky playoff games. Like, remember, remember that game against Memphis when the, the Warriors were yeah. down, by down 55? <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, they're down 55 points. I'm like, what is happening? I don't even think John Morant was playing. I'm like, you're down 55 in this game. And, like, and, and Boston just has, like, these, like, 17 turnover halves that just don't show up in game six at home. Like, there's just so much variance that I wouldn't be surprised if either team swept. So that being said, I'm going Warriors in seven because I just, I just don't see the Celtics getting on a plane and winning game seven on the road. I don't see it. Okay. Literally just I think happened. that's fair. I think they're four to one to win in seven on FanDuel. 
Um, I think they, I think they're better than the Warriors, but I feel less confident about it than I did after Game Six and Game Seven, Miami. I can't, I haven't, I, I haven't been able to fully come to grips with why couldn't they close and why does this team, over and over again, in these close games with leads, whatever, last four minutes when it's like pace, pace, that was working, ball movement, and then last four minutes. Everybody's slow. Everybody's standing in spots, and it just yeah, seems really easy to, to stop. Yep. Yeah, this team has always looked better when they're up ten than they do when it's like tie game, one point game. I and I think the Warriors are so good at executing. On the flip side, I said this Sunday night. Like I, I just feel like you go through those three rounds with the Warriors, and it's pretty flimsy. That Denver team, they had one guy. Mm. Memphis, jaw got hurt. Memphis's wings really bothered Golden State for most of that series with the size on defense. And then I, I Dallas just couldn't make a three for, you know, four and a half of the five games. So I don't, I don't know how tested they were. And I want to see. I think the Celts they love playing them, and I think Smart loves playing Curry. Yep. So I, I really do think the Celtics are going to beat the Warriors. But I don't know what so game. If you think, if you look at their closing five, if you got a healthy Time Lord, Time Lord, Horford, Jason, Jalen, Smart, like there's just no one to pick on defensively. Like there's no switch right. you want. Like there's just no one there. When you have Curry, you can pick on him a little bit. You can pick on Poole a little bit. Like, but you just you cannot do that with the Celtics closing five, which is which is um, one of the things that I would go to bed at night on the kitchen floor thinking about if I was a Celtics fan. What's interesting is they beat Miami, especially in Game Seven with the role guys like Grant Williams. Pritchard came up big that game. Um, Time Lord has been, you know, and t- he's been up and down just because of the injuries, but the the supporting guys have been so huge. And in that the end of that Miami series, they just weren't getting that stuff from the supporting guys. I don't think they can beat the Warriors. Grant Williams has to do what he did in the Milwaukee series. They're going to need help. It's going to have to be They'll a nine-person effort. Yeah. Um, They'll get a game. And I'm... You know, the Butler was just such a bad matchup for them in three of those games. I saw some people were like, Butler should have been the MVP of that series. Like, he he sucked for three straight games. Like, that's, and they lost. That's a really ludicrous bad. argument. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it's ludicrous. Um, but Golden State doesn't have anybody like Butler, which is the type of guy who gives Boston problems. I think they match up pretty well with Curry. Anyway, I'm optimistic, but we'll see. Wilds, we can hear you on and watch you on First Things First. Jacoby. The Jalen and Jacoby Show and Food News on the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, great to see you guys as always. I'm going to go lie on the kitchen floor now. <laughs> You're the best. All right. My guy, John Bernthal's here. He is in We Own This City, which is on HBO Max. There's been a few episodes. By the time people hear this, there have been five of the six. It. I thought initially it was the spiritual cousin of The Wire. But now I feel like it's an actual like son or daughter of The Wire. It's directly linked. I think if you love The Wire, there's no way you wouldn't love this show. You play the star. You're unbelievable in this show. I, I, I demanded that you came back on. God damn! I realized I was working with Super Cup. Hey, you're doing this charismatic character who at the same time is, is pretty evil. And you have to balance that. You have to sell the charisma of this guy while at the same time um, you can't make him too likable, and yet he is, but he's unlikable as hell. How do you, what, that is a tightrope. How do you do it? 
Yeah, look, I, look, man, I, I appreciate the, the, the good word. Um, I'm, it, it means the world that you dig it. I mean, uh, look, it's the first thing David Simon said to me w- when we started. He said, you know, the challenge here is to just, you can't just make this guy a monster. Uh, so there's a couple of things. I, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, from, uh, you know, knowing that you're going on to a show with the creators of The Wire, you know, it's essential for me to like really get in deep with the BPD and 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 members, ex-members of the Gun Trace Task Force and the last sort of remaining plainclothes unit, aggressive tactic cops that are still working today. Yeah. When, when you go to those guys and say, hey, we're going to make a we're, we're making a piece, you know, in today's Hollywood about the most sort of corrupt chapter of the Baltimore Police Department. Hey, will you let me in and go on ride along and, you know, open up the books to me? That's a tough ask. And I was aware of that. But I think because you're going in sort of, you know, under the umbrella of the wire, you know, guys like legendary police officers that are there now, guys like Keith Galliano, Tony Maggio, guys that I became like super close with, they watch the wire every year because I think ultimately what they respect about the wire is that it was made with journalistic integrity. It was made to tell the truth. And, you know, the truth is really what these guys are after and it's what they respect. And I think that, you know, from every single person that I talked to about Wayne Jenkins, whether it was the drug dealer that he was selling drugs with, whether it was guys whose careers were upended because of their connection to him, guys who loved him, guys who hated him, they all said the same thing. And that was he was an absolutely dedicated father. He coached all his kids in football. He was, you know, he put his three sons above everything. He could be on the middle of a stakeout or in the middle of going and robbing a drug dealer. And if he got a call from his wife saying his kid was having a problem, he would dip out of there. And when I found that out, I really went to David and George and said, hey, look, we need to, you know, really infuse this into the piece. Like this guy, you need to have a conflict at the center of what this guy is going through, which is I love my kids more than anything in the world. Yet I'm engaging in behavior that ultimately will most likely keep me from them, you know, Mm. for now the rest of rest of my life. And I think that, you know, when you dig into that, you can get into something, um, you know, that's that, that that's pretty cutting. And, 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 and pretty tense. And so I kind of, um, you, you know, I, I, I think that that was sort of, you, you got you to ultimately make him a human being. As far as the charisma, I mean, I think it was that charisma and that idea of him being, you know, the biggest dick in the room and, and, and the loudest voice in the room and the guy that everybody couldn't take their eyes off of. That's also what gave him cover. That's what sort of enabled him to do what he did. And yeah. Uh, you know, getting getting lauded the way he was in the department, it gave him free reign over the city. And um, he knew what he was doing, man. I mean, and from the times I've talked to him in prison, um, he's a he's a he, he's a cunning dude, man. He he's a he's 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 a smart guy and, and, and you know, a, a, a legendary corrupt police officer, but a legendary police officer at that. Well, one of the reasons I own millions of dollars in Bernthal stock, you're able to play the tennis coach in King Richard. And then this guy, and they're just two completely different people. This guy, you're dialing it up and, and you're and depending on who you're in the room with, but you also, you had to nail the Baltimore accent as well. It's like a little Southern, not too much, but yeah. so, so what was the preparation for that? Well, look, I, I mean, I think anytime uh, again with these guys, you know, they, they, they want to tell the truth. I think normally when you go and you, you do a TV show or a movie, you know, the idea is let's make the scene as entertaining as possible. Let's make it, uh, Let's let's ratchet up the stakes. Let's can you imagine if we did that? Let's push each other. Let's make it as biting as possible, as dangerous as possible. I think on this show, it's a little bit different. You know what 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 really wins the day on set with David Simon is the truth. 
You, yeah. you, we're, we're shooting it in the actual place where it went down. Usually the victims are there. If there's police on the screen, they're usually police in real life. If there's, uh, you, you know, gangsters on the screen, they're usually guys who have just gotten out of prison. I mean, he's really into telling the truth. So I think if you're going to do that, uh, I mean, I, th I think in both cases, to me, that's like my sword. If, if I know we're really going to try to tell the truth, then I can dig in and spend as much time as possible on the busy work, like getting the accent down, getting the tennis down, getting the, 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 the police tactics, police procedure down, spending my time on ride along. You know, that's not, you know, that's not, Hey, some Daniel day Lewis. Hey man, I just like, I dive in so full. I'm, you know, it's, right. it's not about that. That's the only thing you can control in this unbelievably uncontrollable world. And I think just like a, a, an athlete, man, you know, you, 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 you put your time in the weight room. That's the only thing you can control. You, you, you put your time in on the practice field. You're not late. You, 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 you dot your I's and you cross your T's. It's all you can control in this. So I think the accent stuff, you get a great dialect coach, which I did and um, just work your ass off on it. And, and again, that's one piece of this thing that you can control because there's so much of it especially when you're dealing with non-actors. 90% of the people that I work with in this show are, are, are people who have never been on camera before. And a lot yeah. of them are guys, I'm, I'm going on ride along with these guys. I'm saying, hey, come in and do this scene. I mean, I'm bringing all the real guys, the heaviest hitting cops in Baltimore to be in the scenes with me. That's, you know, I love that. That, that, that adds so much to everything that's going on in the scene. And, but, you know, it's, it's not a guy who's got, you know, they, they haven't taken Meisner classes. You know, they're not going to be bouncing back and forth with me, you know, the way that a lot of actors will. So there's a lot that you can't control. But things like accent and gun work and stuff like that, that, that that's all within your control. Well, and you met him a few times. A hundred percent. So how did that help? Uh, it helped a lot. I mean, honestly, you, you know, I, I, I often like I, I subscribe to the idea that, you know, you learn more about people by what folks close to them say about them rather than what people say about themselves. I think, you know, that, you know, look, Wayne's Wayne's in prison and, 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 you know, he's not getting out for, for a long time. So, you know, he's in federal prison. So our relationship consists of, you know, 15 minute, you know, recorded phone calls, but you know, there's, there's not a single time you get on the phone with Wayne Jenkins where he's not trying to, you know, he's not trying to play you or do so. And I don't mean that. I mean that, I don't mean that in any sort of judgmental way at all. It's just who the guy is. Um, you know, he's, he's a mover and a shaker. Brother, he is—he is always going to be trying to convince you of something and get you to do something for him, and 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 that's where he is. Um, you know, I, I I think the things that were the most helpful for me was really getting to know guys from the Gun Trace Task Force, guys that you know served with him, the the aggressive unit, plain clothes flex unit, you know, police officers that are really across the country right now, kind of getting disbanded. And, and I'll say, yeah. I I got to know so many people. Um, you, you know, who are victimized and brutalized by this man. And, and there's no words for that, man. You, you know, to be brutalized or victimized by police corruption or police brutality is, um, you know, it's, it, it, there's no words for how awful that is. There's people who have been beaten physically. People have lost their lives. People have lost their freedoms. Uh, people's Fourth Amendment rights have been violated, you know, on, on a daily basis by guys like Wayne. But there's a whole other group of victims and those are the good, courageous, honorable members of the police, police force. And there's a lot of people who take an oath and, 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 and take a lawmaker's oath and they police with integrity and they care about the community that they police. And I met a lot of these guys whose careers were completely upended. Their lives were completely upended just because they had proximity to Wayne. And um, I've become extremely close with those guys. And I feel like, um, you know, those were the folks that, you know, that's where I learned the most from Wayne. I mean, I got to know Don Step really well. Two, who is the drug dealer that Wayne was selling stuff 
you know, selling his drugs with, you know, that he would confiscate or steal off the street. And then he would go sell it with a, with a drug dealer that he grew up with. And, and, and Donnie had just gotten out of prison. He had to wear an ankle monitor, but I, I talked to a federal judge and we got a deal that he was allowed to leave his house just as long as he was with me, which, you know, if you had asked, you know, the John Berthold 20 years ago, that sounds completely fucking insane, but <laughs> that's, uh, that's what it was. But, you know, Donnie was extraordinarily helpful. And, and look, I think anytime you do a story like this, that is, um, really, really the effort is to tell the truth. Everybody does have an angle. Everybody wants their character, their story to sort of come off in a certain way. Um, and, and I always kind of keep that in, in, in mind, but, um, it was great to kind of be able to have the infrastructure and the runway with this, you know, to, 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 to really spend three months before we shot going on ride alongs every day in every district going on uh, drug raids with the Baltimore SWAT team. And, uh, you know, I met, I met some great people, made some friends for life. Well, you're, I mean, you're a psycho with this stuff. So is David Simon. You guys must've loved each other. We did. I, I, I mean, look, I, him and George, I, 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 I do love those guys. I mean, we also bumped heads because, you know, I learned things that I felt like they didn't know. They were stuck on things that they felt like, I, you know, we, we, we care. And I think that, you know, anytime you really, really care, you're going to bump heads. And I think that's healthy and that's great. But, you know, you mentioned King Richard. Give me, wait, give me an example. All right. Uh, so there was a, there's a scene. I, I don't think it's come out yet, but there's a scene where Wayne was testifying in court. And I went to go play that scene and I wore that, you know, Baltimore police bulletproof flak jacket um, in court. And David's like, you know, why are you wearing that? Everybody's questioning me why I'm wearing that. And I said, I have a picture of him on the day wearing it. And David said, no police officer would wear that in court. And he's kind of, he was like, where's this jacket? Where's this jacket? Where's this picture? Why are you saying there's a picture? I haven't seen a picture. And I just held it up on my phone. Somebody had sent it to me. I'm like, there's a picture. And, you know, uh, I, I did get a, you, you know, got one over on him. I did, man. That was that, that was one for Bernthal. Trust me, there was many the other way. But you know, I I think again, like as soon as I, he saw that picture, he said, "Good go," because again, it's not about hey, what looks coolest or what's going to make for the best picture. It's not up to the the DP or the costume department. What was he wearing that day? That's what he's yeah. wearing, and, and and I dig that. It's it's like it's like being in a boxing gym. The truth is right there in the ring, man. We don't have to, you know, you don't have to placate. You don't have to puff up. It's right there. But I also think, you know, for me. You know, you mentioned King Richard. It's the same director. You know, Ray, Ray Green yeah. directed King Richard. He came on with me to this and directed all the episodes. And in, in, in my mind, look, I, I've had the privilege of working with 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 the best. Ray is up there as good as anybody working. I mean, he's he's a legendary director. He's you know right sort of at the his career is about to explode. But you know, having him with me, um, you know, with David and George, who are you know for their own right very set in their ways, they know how to do it. Um, look, a big part of you know me playing this part is uh, improv and 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 changing it up and and you know you don't want to be changing up David Simon's lines, but having Ray with me and getting my back and encouraging me to sort of go that way um, is something I'm eternally grateful for, grateful for. And he's uh, he's my brother, and you know this this performance is just as much his as it is mine. Well, and he's a guy like you who loved The Wire and understood the importance of like, hey, this show's going to be compared to The Wire in some way going back to Baltimore. That's right. Um, I think one of the things I love, I mean, there's so many things I love about this show, but, you know, it's six episodes. It easily could have been 13. They could have strung stuff out. We could have gone on, you know, the little side trip with Sean Suter. His wife is having infertility issues and they got to go to the doctor and is, that, is, the, are they, is she going to get pregnant or not? And they, We could have had all these Hollywood subplots and Simon's just like, no, this is a true story. 
six episodes, viewing all the facts. I don't want to do a lot of detours. They do some detours with you, but all of them make sense. Like, you know, when, when Wayne's bringing crabs initially way back when, when he's a young cop and he brings like the kind of crappy crabs and they give him shit. And it's like, you can see the, the seeds are planted. We're like, ah, I need to make more money. I don't feel good about this, but everything is so purposeful. And the first two episodes, it's, you know, the timeline, you're going back and forth. And once you kind of get used to that, which I was used to basically telling what your hair and facial hair situation was, you could kind of tell where you were. <laughs> but then in that fourth episode, man, with the, with the Freddie Gray thing, yep. how it pays off and how emotional and intense that is. And we have just, you've laid the breadcrumbs here for three and a half episodes for this moment where we go into Baltimore and, you know, I, I was fascinated by this. I went and read about it. Like I was, how do they convince people in Baltimore to do that? And it's really because of the cachet of those guys, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we shot right at McDonald Mall right where the, you, you know, the, the, the heart of the uprising kind of popped off. And, and you know, I, I looked, they, they did it with respect and reverence for the city of Baltimore the whole way. Yes, they have, they've earned their stripes in that city. And, and those are two creators, really, really three with Nina Noble. They, they, they've stuck their whole career there. I mean, they've been there, you know, Baltimore Sun reporter, George Belcano, son of D.C., lived in Baltimore. They, you, you know, those guys, the, the, the crew on this show is the same crew from The Wire, they're folks that played kids on the wire and now playing adults, you know, and we own the city. But, you know, the folks that were down there that day in that community, um, you know, look, Baltimore is beautiful and it's a brutal city. And, and, and those things really go hand in hand. And the folks that were playing people in the Freddie Gray uprising, Freddie Gray protests, those people were really there. And the neighborhood came out and the neighborhood was watching. And, um, you know, they, we, we knew that that was going to be sensitive. And, 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 and the guys that I was standing with, you know, the police officers that I was standing with that day, you know, were, were, were you know, I would say 80% real police officers who were really there that day. Um, so it was tense. And, and, and look, without sounding like a total cornball, I think there's something enormously therapeutic about it. I think there's something about getting it out there and expressing it, come together after each scene, you know, we sort of hugged each other and, and, uh, and, you know, one thing that, 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 that did happen that day, just to give you a window into the city of Baltimore, you know, we're shooting that scene. We probably did it 30 times. And the guys, you know, once they threw the, the, the rock at me and I came in and sort of roughed those guys up, those were three or four stunt guys that I was tangling up with that I knew from Punisher that I've known for a really long time. And we, we were very comfortable with each other getting physical. Um, but one time I ran out there and there was a guy that I'd never seen before, this dreadlock guy. And I'm like, what's this guy doing there? And, you know, you never really know with background actors. You never really know what's going to happen. And the guy reaches back like he's going to throw a right hand at me. I'm like, is this guy going to sock me? And sure enough, man, he threw a punch like right at my face. And I blocked it with my uh, shield and the shield hit my face. I don't know if you, you've noticed in the scene, I have like a cut on my on my yeah. face. So it hit me and I just figured it was an extra who's trying to hit me. So I figured, well, look, man, if he's going to swing on me, I'm going to swing on him. So I hit him with the right hand and just busted his eye open. And he fell on the ground. Then, you know, we finished the scene. And then uh, afterwards, you know, there's a whole bunch of chaos. And then afterwards, the guy came up to me. His uh, eye was busted open. He gave me this huge hug. He said, man, you're a real one. You're a real one. And he was like, man, you're for real. And then he looked to his right. And three real on-duty Baltimore police officers were running at him. He was actually being chased, saw this scene, and decided, hey, I'm going to go knock that guy out in the middle of this scene. And then right and I cannot imagine a more Baltimore, you know, uh, uh, event like because then he hugged me and he had integrity about it. 
And, um, and that's why I had the little Nick there because, you know, the, the, me being this sort of, uh, you know, prima donna actor that I was, I was just, they had to try to get rid of the blood because nothing was going to match. And I was just so worried about losing the takes because you only get so many in TV. So I just said, let's just keep going. Let's go from the beginning. We'll just do the whole thing with the little Nick on my face. So yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. So thank God you had the boxing training. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thank, God I had the, <laughs> thank God I had the shield, man. You know what I mean? I'm not that fast. Um, do you think anybody else could have walked into that same spot and filmed basically a recreation scene like that unless they had the the pedigree in Baltimore that Simon and Pocanos has? Because I, I, I would say no. I, 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 I would agree. I would agree. I mean, again, I, I think the same way that I got sort of like entree into the Baltimore Police Department and they opened their arms for me the way that they did. Um, the same is true with the city of Baltimore. I mean, look, the, 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 um, the scourge of, 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 of corruption, police corruption in that city, um, it is touched. I mean, the, the, the show gets into it. I mean, it's, 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 it's touched nearly everybody. And, and the city's in really rough shape. And, and yeah. um, it's really sort of like infected and, and, and um, uh, you know, it's had a real effect on, on, on the soul of that city. And, um, you know, I also think there's something about that city. You know, there's a great documentary on HBO uh, about Sean Suter and about his death and, and about the sort of mystery behind it. And, you know, the, it, 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 an equal sort of energy and fervor and, um, and, and brotherhood. The folks of Baltimore came out to protest the death of, Sh of Sean Souter, a police officer, in the same way that they came out to protest the unfair death of Freddie Gray, a citizen. And that really speaks to a lot of Baltimore. And I think, look, man, they're after the truth. They're after the truth. They're, af they're after digging into the crime. They don't want to abolish the police in Baltimore. They want the police to police better. And, and I think that's what folks want across the country. And I think it's naive and misguided. To, to throw out terms like, uh, you know, defunding the police or abolishing the police, uh, you know, to me and in, in, in my experience, those words could only be uttered by people who have never been in a situation where they needed the police or have never lived in a community where policing is so necessary. Um, and I, I, I think it's uh, I, I, I think being anti-police corruption, being pro Black Lives Matter um, and also being pro law enforcement, can you, it, it, all those things ring true. And, and I don't see why you can't be all those things at the same time. You had that scene with uh, Jamie Hector when, uh, when I think it was a car wash or auto body when you flipped the table. That was the super cop scene. And um, at some point, I mean, you're doing this with Marlo from The Wire, a show that you loved. Yeah. And you have like all of these great scenes of them. Question, I, this is a two-part question. Question one, at what point are you not working with Marlo anymore and you're just working with Jamie Hector, the guy who played Marlo? Does it, is it take like days to get over that? Because Marlo was such an iconic, distinct character. How do you divorce that from the human being you're working with? You know, look, sometimes that's harder that, 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 than it is other times when, you, when, when you're working with somebody whose who's work you just like, you, you know, when you're just a fan. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm like the biggest Wire fan. I'm a huge Jamie Hector fan. Um, but, you know, like day one, knowing, getting to know Jamie, uh, I got to know uh, his wife. I got to meet a couple of his kids. I got to meet his sister. Uh, you know, they're just like, I don't know. I, I, I and then got it to drops. Know, it goes away. It does, man. I got yeah. to know real Jamie really fast. And I think like me, he's hungry to tell the truth. He was hungry to tell this story for the right reasons. And um, I, I really respected the way he went after this. Uh, he went after telling Sean's story. And, and um 
you know, I, I, I it, it really, that wasn't hard. I mean, look, the guy who plays, the guy who plays Conlon, like the guy that we have locked up, who me and him are going, who owns the shop, that, that's a guy named uh, Ralph Horn, Big H, uh, a legendary Baltimore cop that I know mm. super well. He's got a, a podcast in, in, in Baltimore called the Silverbacks. It's a, it's a group of like just legendary black cops that call themselves the Silverbacks. I mean, some of my best friends in Baltimore, he came in and did that scene. Did I mean, he's never been on camera before and he just absolutely smashed it. So, I mean, I think that just like that entire scene, just trying to make it as dangerous as possible. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I, there wasn't much uh there wasn't much sort of standing back in fanfare i mean on this one I was yeah pretty much i would imagine i got used to him by like the third episode in that scene though that's the pivotal moment of the show right you've all this all this stuff jenkins is kind of side eye looking at him and they have that moment where it's like is this guy is he in or is he out of all this stuff what do we do look I take mean, some I of that and that's that was like the three episodes leading to that moment right all right here's right. Here's how these guys get sucked in. Got the right. one guy who's already gone on the dark side looking at this other guy. I'm like, hey, man, it's this easy. We just stuff it in our vest. We're good to go. Yeah, man. And, and, and look, we, we, you know, movies and TV have been exploring that since Serpico. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. been, it's that thing. It's, it, it is literally the quintessential lose-lose situation. And ultimately, it's going to go down one way. You've either seen me do it and you're going to let me do it or you're going to do it with me. But, uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, look, I, I, I do think when you, Police, you know, they say police work isn't pretty and they say, you, you, you know, it's it's one way or another, you know, of, of the, the cops that I've gotten to talk to and gotten to know that I've been lucky enough to get to know all over the country. It's like, look, man, you, you find things out about each other. You you, you, you kind of have to. And, yeah. you, you know, and um, I think now and how litigious things are and how sort of like, you know, everybody's neck is on the line. There is this thing of just trying to have a little piece of something on someone, and that can be bastardized and 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 be used for evil. And then I think that it can also be used for good sometimes. And and you know when you're dealing in a world where you you know your safety and your well being and, and and your life really depends on the people that you work with and getting your back, it's important to know that uh, you can trust them. And again, the way that he does that is is in this total sort of like evil, manipulative Wayne Jenkins way. But he's got him. And, and, and what I really respected about the episode is that in the end of the episode, the, the, the scene with, you know, Sean and, and, and Wayne in the car, you know, he says, like, look, man, you know, in any other business, if, 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 if I was a lawyer, if I was a doctor, I am the best of the best in this city. But I'm not making any more money than anybody else. I don't yeah. have a fancy car. I don't have a fancy house. This city doesn't do anything for me. So why don't I deserve these things? And whether you agree with that or don't agree with that or think of that as ridiculous, you'd say that violates the code that you took, you certainly, you could certainly empathize with it. I mean, you can certainly understand it. And I think that that's, you know, giving this character a chance to sort of not pull punches, turn your back on the audience, be as evil as you can possibly be, but also, you know, really come from a place that he thinks he's completely fucking justified. I mean, those are the kind of characters I want to play. And I was really grateful that he had that opportunity with Sean who, you know, is sort of like portrayed as this kind of choir boy. And be like, come on, man, answer the question. What do we do this for? And um, yeah. it's something that I can kind of latch on to, so I'm grateful for it. Well, it's my favorite Bernthal character so far. You got a long career left. What what kind of, so we're taping this between episode four and five. Do you feel like the show's getting momentum? Because I feel like in my life, it's starting to, people in my life, just anecdotally, starting to get a little momentum. But I still feel like the word's not out correctly yet. Yeah, you, you know, man, it's it, it's weird. You know, if you if you talk to 
you know, Baltimore's such an underdog city. And I, I think that like, you know, David and George, that they're, they're such, they're so comfortable with, 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 with kind of being underdogs. I mean, the wire, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but no know, the Emmys, wire, they, they, they weren't winning Emmys. You know, the wire wasn't, but nobody watched the wire, you know, and, and you look back and I mean, George says it all the time. George Pelicano says, you don't want to be the show that everyone's watching now. You want to be the show everyone's watching in 15 years. And right. again, if you, if you are actually telling the truth with your work and, and it is this sort of meld between journalism and entertainment, I think you got a shot at that. I think you really do. And I think that, you know, if you were to go into Baltimore right now and ask anybody, Hey man, do you know who Wayne Jenkins is? Everybody knows who he is. Everybody. I mean, that's, that's a huge, the story of the gun trace task force is an enormous story in the sort of uh, zeitgeist of Baltimore and, and, and the culture of, uh, of Baltimore. And, uh, you know, I, I think that means it's going to be around for a while. I think people are going to be interested. And, and I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like a bullshit PC answer, but I, I, can't, I can't concern myself with kind of like who's watching or how many folks are watching. Um, I, I, just, I just hope it sticks around. And I hope we made, you know, George and David and Ray happy. Well, people can find these things on the streaming services too. I feel like you're going to get boned over. I you, I think you're going to get an Emmy nomination, but I think you're going to get boned over because that's just, it's a David Simon thing. You get, you're not allowed to win Emmys with David <laughs> Simon projects. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> what was the King Richard experience like? Because that's like the biggest movie you've been in. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, 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 the King Richard experience overall was... was uh, I, I, like, I mean, do you feel like your fame went up after that? Or I don't know, I feel man. like I everybody feel- saw it. Yeah, you know, like I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think on those terms. I mean, I know. Look, I've been in movies that I've been in movies that have really sort of uh, taken off. You know, Wolf of Wall Street or Fury. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, these these mo- like count like movies that were big movies. I think for me, you know, what I love so much about King Richard. I mean, number one, it was a movie that my kids could see. So like that was just like awesome for me. It was good. To, it was good to walk out of a movie and just feel good about life. How many times I, does that happen? Right. And it's like when you think about the films, when you think about Hoosiers, when you think about, you know, even Major League, when you think, I mean, we talked about sports movies the last time. Yeah. you And you told me this was going to be one of them. That's right. And I think it's like we feel like there's no real market for that now. But like this was an uplifting kind of meditation on family and on fatherhood and on faith and uh, perseverance. And I feel like the movie kind of captured because the movie was set, Zach Balin, the, the, the screenwriter, set that movie, you know, really from when the girls were 10 and 11 to when they, you know, were, th- you know, basically when, when Venus was 14. Yeah. And I feel like looking at that chapter, everybody knows where they're going, obviously, but it really, really captured the palpability of the impossibility of the task that was at hand. And, 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 and I felt like the way that they dealt with Serena was just so genius. Like I think about um, in The Departed, my buddy James Badge Dale's in, in in The Departed. And he's yeah. just, remember at the end, they just they, 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 he comes in and he shoots him right in the head. And he's like kind of been in the movie the whole time. And he's always sort of around, but you don't know him. And then you're like, oh, shit. He's like, you know, it's a major, major plot point of the movie. And I just thought that like the way that sort of Serena, you know, the way that Demi played her, she's so amazing. And every time you see her, like the screen lights up, she's always there, but she's not front and center. And then all of a sudden, like a dad does sometimes, you sort of focus on one kid and then she see, he sees the kid there and he says, no, she's going to be the best in the world, but you're going to be the best of all time. And it's such, for me, that was sort of like such a beautiful, like fathering moment. You know what I yeah. mean? Like how you kind of come up with the right thing at the right time 
And, you know, you know, and then the fact that that comes true, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to be a part. And, 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 and I feel like that film, there was a righteousness on that set. There was a familial aspect of that set that I've only had a few times in my career, but you know, we're all getting to the King Richard cast is all getting together. Uh, uh, not this weekend, but the next, you know, we all really love each other. We all stayed enormously close. And I really think what, the, the person who really just doesn't get enough credit for that movie is Ray Green. Like, I, mm. I, I just think, you know, to to take that film and elevate it in the way that he did was really an incredible feat. And um, to make this movie that could be, you know, it, it could borderline on sort of like a family, like sort of... Like, too sappy. Yeah, yeah. Man. I mean, it's like, it's it's funny and it's for everyone. It's, it, you know, it's uh, it's uplifting, but it's exciting. Um, and And the character work is incredible. And I really think, you know, the guy is just sort of like impeccable in the way that he casts and the the environment that he creates on set. And again, it made me feel so lucky to have him on We Own the City. I got to ask, were you at the Oscars or were you watching? No, you know, uh, I went to all of them and, and I went to all the awards and I did have a ticket. But uh, my son, Lil Bill, Lil Bill Burt, he plays travel baseball. He had a doubleheader. Oh, this is so heartwarming. I love the dad tra- sports travel stories. <laughs> Yeah, man. And look, man, I, I like, and I don't, I, I, I know it's crazy. And I know maybe people like for me, no, man, I get it, man. That's where I want to be, man. That's where I want to be. And I miss too much as it is. And I, my other son had a lacrosse tournament and I just, I told my wife, I was like, baby, we're not doing this. Like, you know, I've been working my ass off. I haven't, I haven't stopped really in, in, in years. And I, I just, I don't know. And, 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 and honestly, you know, after everything that kind of went down, I'm kind of glad that I wasn't there to be honest with you. What was your reaction watching it? Um, you know, look, I, Will's my friend, man, and and, and, yeah. and I don't, I don't, I don't judge my friends by you know their lowest moments. I I, I judge them by their highest. Um, you know, the Will that I know was, uh, you know, on that set was so extraordinarily generous and so extraordinarily um, healthy, and 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 was such a wonderful leader on, on that film. And um, the guy I saw, you, you know, that night, somebody I didn't know. And, and um, I, 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 I hope he's okay. I feel terrible. Feel, feel, felt terrible for what happened to, uh, to, to, to Chris Rock. And I just, it was just a, a super unfortunate situation. I think, you know, more than anything, I was watching with my son. You know, I was watching with one of my boys. My boys, you know, met and they're like, why would, why would, that doesn't even make sense. You know, and I, and I, I think that's the tragedy because I think, you know, that, Knowing that he put, knowing him and knowing that he put that out there, I think hurts him more than anything else. And um, that makes my heart hurt. Yeah. I mean, some, everybody's had a bad moment. And unfortunately for him, that was a bad moment with, I don't know, 20 million people watching or whatever. Did your son win the baseball tournament? He did win the tournament. Oh, there you go. Yeah, man. He won a tournament. (laughs) He actually hit a, he actually hit like a double at the end of the game. A ground rule double. Yeah, it was a great game. He pitched. It was, uh, yeah. What kind of baseball dad are you? Are you like quiet, rocking back and forth intensity? Are you talking? Are you like in left field away from everyone? What are you doing? Good question, man. Because, you know, like I played ball. I was a catcher. I played baseball in college, you know, and, um, you know, my son, Bill, uh, he, he's, he's very good. You know, he's, he's, he's played travel ball with older kids and, um, he talked to me because I was pretty loud and I feel like my chatter is pretty damn good. Like it's like years of experience. And I understand that baseball chatter. First of all, this is West Coast baseball and I grew up playing East Coast baseball. Right. Totally different thing. And it's insane out here. But I really do. I'm a, I'm a pretty strong believer in my ability for, 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 to, to be a sideline and just just to even be in the dugout and just doing chatter. 
But my, my son did silence me. He was just like, you know, dad, I've been talking to the other guys and they really kind of want you to calm it down. And then I started talking to some of the players on his team. They're like, dude, we never said that. We love the way you did. So I just, I'm trying to be respectful of my kid. And so, but, but I will say the other day in a very, very close game, you know, there was a dad who plays in the NFL and one of his kids, uh, or his kid was playing. I think his kid's one of the best in sort of Southern California. And my son came in to pitch against him and his dad was going crazy. So I started going crazy. My son struck him out and then, uh, and then hit a double, another ground rule double off of the kid. And I was like, I do believe that some part of that had to do with my just raising my, you know, I'm, he's mm. an NFL football player, but I'm a, you know, a, a, a professionally trained actor. So my voice, you know, I, I feel like I've matched his, uh, his intensity pretty well. That's hilarious. Just stay, stay off like a YouTube parent fight. I don't yeah. want that with, yeah, no fun. John, John Berthold, travel baseball brawl. <laughs> um, yeah, we still got to figure out the sports movie. And you promised me you'd come on the rewatchables too at some point, as soon as no, you're man, not I, as busy. I, listen, man, I, and I was, I, I think I mentioned last time, you know, my best friend in the world, Dougie Thornell, he's my quarterback in high school. He is like the biggest fan of the rewatchables. He's the one who turned me on. He's All right, so you're coming on. Yeah, dude. And he's got a really, really strong play. He really wants Revenge of the Nerds. And, uh, oh, wow. And, and I, I strongly support it. And if you do that, man, and, and, and you want a sidekick, I'm all yours, man. Okay. Uh, tell me about the podcast that I haven't been invited on yet. <laughs> man, you got the open invitation. You know, look, <laughs> the, 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 the podcast is called The Real Ones. Um, you know, look, it really came out of just sort of my frustration, my disappointment in discourse right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, patriotism and masculinity got confused with being, you know, completely bombastic and waving your flag from either side. And so much of the sort of conversation about the important issues of the day have uh, really become about just completely agenda driven flag waving. And um, I, th- I I really find that, you know, so much of the conversation is being led by the wrong people, people who talk the talk instead of walk the walk. It's it's experts, it's celebrities, it's pundits. So I've decided to, you know, kind of give whatever platform I have to the folks that I've learned the most from. And that those are, you know, street cops, they're special forces soldiers, they're surgeons, they're nurses, they're coaches, teachers. Um, and, uh, you know, what I found is in, in these people that are actually have boots on the ground in these sort of major issues of the day, they go to these issues with real empathy for folks who might be on the other side. Mm. So I've had episodes where I've had, you know, ex-gang members who have done 20 years in prison sitting there with the police that actually put them away. And what I find is they're finishing each other's sentences. They have so much more in common than they do alike. And I figured, you know, if these guys can sit down, anybody can sit down. And the show is not about me. It's, it's about the people that I bring on. And um, I, you know, I am not you, man. I'm, 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 I'm not a, a uh, I, I do not consider myself a skilled interviewer, but I do 100% believe in the people that I bring on. I think that they're incredible. And I think that they lead with this sort of patriotism and this sort of masculinity and this sort of uh, strength where, you know, the folks that I bring on, they, um, they, they, they lead with kindness. They, they, they walk the walk. They've got nothing to prove um, that they, they, they have real openness and, and, and ability to compromise and listen to folks that sort of think differently than them, have different political uh, uh, backgrounds in them, different uh, racial backgrounds, different socioeconomic back- backgrounds, different sexual preferences. But I think there's nothing more American than that, than be able to sit yeah. down with people that are different from you and, and, and lead with respect and open-mindedness and know that you might have something to learn from them. And uh, look, it's called The Real Ones. I'm super proud of it. I'm really, really grateful to the folks that 
that come on. And, and, you know, most of them are folks that I've known my whole life. And um, I've been really, really blessed to kind of grow up where I grew up and how I grew up. And then even more blessed to have the career that I had where I get to know these people. And again, I get this access into these communities and into these professions. And those are the folks that I'm, that, that I'm bringing on. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm really grateful to be doing it. Awesome. Well, congrats on the show. Thank you, man. It's really, really good, man. I, I really hope uh, more and more people see it, especially anybody who loved The Wire. I have no idea why they wouldn't be watching this. Uh, I'll see you in the rewatchables. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Jacoby and Wilds. Thanks to John Bernthal. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing as always. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey. Back on this feed, late, late, late Thursday night after game one of the finals. Don't forget, new rewatchables. There's a new one up, the Category Selection Show, and then Wednesday night as well, Copland. See you here on Thursday. <laughs>